It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A thank you to Cade McNamara. But now it is time to pass the torch to J.J. McCarthy. That and more your way next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Harbaugh back to throw over the middle, caught by Kozar at the five on his feet, touchdown Michigan! On his way, it's good! He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan, but Jamie Morris packs a wallop and he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play, pressure coming, sack! It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic, option! And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. We're going to win it. We're going to win the championship again because we're going to play with the team. And we play as a team, and the old season is over. You and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue! I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. We'll talk about the peaceful transition of power at the quarterback position for the Maize and Blue here in a moment. But first, a reminder that we are powered by our friends over at Prize Picks. I'm 4-2 and two so far this season with the prize picks that I have given out here on the show. How does Prize Picks work? Let me tell you. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from in every sport, including, obviously, football. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries as well, so you can bet 
for one on the NFL, one on college football. It's an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. It's the best legal way to play player props in states like California, Florida, Texas, and, of course, Michigan. When you download the Prize Picks app today, set up your account using promo code Michigan. That's promo code Michigan. You'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks with the promo code Michigan when you download the Prize Picks app today at the App Store or Google Play. Use the promo code Michigan for an instant deposit match up to $100. And my two picks this week that I like, we are going to go off the board non-Michigan player props this week. I'm going to go to Georgia. Yes, we got an eyeful of Stetson Bennett in the playoff last year, but I'm going to play him under 294.5 or a half, 294 and a half yards passing this week against South Carolina, who I think has a very good secondary. Uh, So I'm going to go Stetson Bennett under 294 and a half yards passing, and I'm going to play an over. Cedric Tillman, the outstanding receiver for Tennessee. You saw him last week against Pittsburgh. I'm going to go over 72 and a half yards with him against a fairly, a, a pretty beat up Arkansas secondary who just lost its best player, Jordan Catalan, uh, for the best, for the rest of the year, uh, their outstanding safety, but they had some injuries back there already. So Cedric Tillman, the Tennessee receiver over 72 and a half yards. Those are our two picks this week for prize picks. And now to what we teased at the top of the show. Before we get to the future, it's always best to honor your past. Because the answers to the future are often found in the past. The reason why we are now being given the benefit of seeing something that we have longed for for many years as Michigan fans. What could happen if Jimmy finally got the right quarterback the five-star stud that we thought Shea Patterson was going to be, that we thought Brandon Peters was going to be, Dylan McCaffrey was going to be, Joe Milton was going to be. What if he actually got that guy, his guy, but he had a Harbaugh-like moxie to him at the same time? In other words, what if Jimmy got his Andrew Luck, but at Michigan instead of Stanford? We are about to find out, and I can't wait. But let's set that aside for a moment because we don't get this moment with number nine without the last year of moments from number 12. Cade McNamara is going to go down as one of the most important quarterbacks in Michigan football history. When he and his classmates from Aiden Hutchinson to Brad Hawkins to uh, Josh Ross and so many others What they did in rebuilding the culture here from the ground up. I mean, we were ground zero as a program not too long ago. What those guys did, and Cade was a focal point of that, especially as the starting quarterback, in rebuilding that culture, rebuilding that accountability, reinstilling that esprit de corps. We don't ever find out what J.J. McCarthy is capable of. We don't get to open up this present on game day without what they did last year. Because Jim Harbaugh is not the coach here without last year. And then all bets are off in this era of transfer portals and insta-transfers. 
I mean, you bring in a new coach, your entire roster is up for grabs. So who knows? We may never see J.J. McCarthy play here. We went through this once before with our last, or once before with a five-star quarterback, Ryan Mallett, remember. Lloyd Carr retires, new guy comes in with a, you know, a, a shotgun, pistol, you know, zone read offense, and Ryan Mallett's like, that's not my game, I'm out. See, on the flip side, I'm going to Arkansas. So, what McNamara did last year, and hey, I, I, I have no problem being critical of his play at times. He's not the most gifted. Uh, he's not, you know, a guy that you watch on film and you're like, wow, there's your Uber quarterback. But he's a hell of a leader. He played with a lot of consistency last year. The fellas played very, very hard for him. And while I'm not sure there's too many games last year that he like won for us, there are several games I can point to last year that if it weren't for his presence, we might have lost. Like at Penn State, for example, at Nebraska, for example. And I think we all owe him a debt of gratitude. He turned out to be the perfect bridge here. He played a focal point in reinstalling what we expect Michigan to be. And because of that now, because that culture has been laid, we actually can now progress to a meritocracy. Where the culture is strong enough. And the other guy has taken his... his, his cues from his predecessor and realizes, you know what? I need to be that leader too. I can't just be talented. And now the baton gets passed. So a tip of the cap to Cade McNamara. I don't think that you have played your last down of significant football at Michigan. I mean, the way that JJ likes to run, the way we need him to run, frankly. Ask Texas first quarter against Alabama. They're watching Quinn Ewers look like the number one recruit in the country, thinking we're going to win this thing and more. One hit, shoulder injury, maybe not playing again until November. That's the Dallas Cowboys right now. Top 10 quarterback in the NFL, they'll be lucky to win seven or eight games, depending on how long he's out now with Dak Prescott. So you're one hit away absolutely from needing Cade McNamara to come in and make a play or to once more resettle and refocus the team. So I'm not sure at all that he's done. In fact, I'd I'd be willing to bet that he has not played his final snap of significant football for Michigan. So keep that in mind as well. We should all be honoring him for what he did and this team did last year. But that's last year. And this is this year. And it would be a crime against football, not to mention meritocracy, to keep a talent, particularly one that has seized the moment that J.J. McCarthy has, to keep that under wraps, to keep it sealed. Especially when we've got a couple of injuries on the offensive line right now. So we're still trying to find that identity as a power-running team. At the very least, even if J.J. McCarthy is the same check-down maestro that Cade McNamara was, he instantly elevates the ceiling of our offense with his legs alone, let alone if he can throw with the accuracy and the touch that he demonstrated on Saturday night. Now, if you do that, now we're talking about you at this time next year as potentially the number one pick in the NFL draft. So, yes, it's early. Yes, 
Slow your roll. Let's see what happens against teams not named Hawaii. But keep in mind, he played in almost every meaningful game last year. It's not like we have not seen any of J.J. McCarthy at all. And now we're going to get to see all of J.J. McCarthy. We're going to get to see what happens with a fully armed and operational battle station in Ann Arbor. And what perfect timing for that to go down on Saturday night with five-star recruit Jaden Davis and his entire family getting to see, oh, so this is what the Michigan offense is really supposed to look like. Former, f- former Michigan recruit, maybe future one, Dante Moore was tweeting about it as well. And then he deleted those tweets. It gets everybody's attention when Michigan either bottles itself up or fully unleashes its potential. And that's what J.J. McCarthy does. He fully unleashes our potential. He raises the ceiling for this team considerably. But we would not be here with a chance to do that if not for what Cade McNamara and last year's team, they did by laying the ground floor. So honor them, but then get excited about what's to come. Yes, folks, uh, we get asked a lot, hey, what can we do to support what you're doing here at Michigan Podcast? We can always like, rate, subscribe, share the content, but you can also uh, share uh, with us by supporting us on our Patreon page. There you can see we've had an outstanding season so far uh, with Major League Baseball picks uh, all year long. We've got win totals posted uh, for college football for every college football team uh, already posted to what? two months ago now, my season win total best bets for the season as well. With the season nigh, you'll be getting weekly picks and more for both college and pro football. We'll finish baseball strong. You don't want to miss it. College basketball is only about 100 days away. Just five bucks a month if you want to support us to get all this great exclusive content on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. That's Patreon. Dot com slash Michigan podcast. And as all as always, we want to thank the hundreds of you that are already supporting us there at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Time now for the 10 minute war, a little homage to the great 10 year war from back in the day with our one and only reasonable buck, at least the only one we could find who also has a fantastic channel right here on YouTube as well. The voice of college football, Mark Rogers. Good to see you again, my friend. How you be? Steve, I'm doing well. I was reminded today of how long it's been since uh, Michigan or Ohio State beat Michigan on Twitter. There's some account out there that reminds. I believe it's 1,016 days or something, right? Yeah, something like that. I had to remind them how long has it been since Michigan won a game against a Power Five team. <laughs> nice, nice deflection. I appreciate that. Hey, I've been in your shoes. All right. You need about eight more years of those deflections before I'm going to feel any remote level of empathy whatsoever. And no sympathy ever is forthcoming at all. Um, Before we get it, speaking of no sympathy, before we get into Michigan's, I guess we'll call it peaceful transition of power at quarterback, um, Bucknut, fellow Bucknut, Marcus Freeman. Man, watching that, I watched a lot of that game against Marshall. And it reminded me a lot of Rich Rod losing to Toledo in his first year. Now, this Marshall team's a lot better than that Toledo team was, but that Michigan team is nowhere near as good as this Notre Dame team was expected to be. It was not ranked in the preseason AP poll. Notre Dame was preseason number 5, 0-3. Pete Sampson, who's kind of the Chris Ballas, 
uh, Sam Webb of, of of Notre Dame. I don't know who does that for you guys. Is it like Kevin Noonan? Used to be my old buddy Kyle Lamb, but he's working for Governor DeSantis now. So I don't know who the who the guy is. Is that your Steve Hellwagon? Is that who kind of who, maybe who he is? Maybe I okay. Steve Kevin Noon, Tony right. Oh, so it's Noon, not Noonan. I got it wrong. I apologize. Okay, all right, but that's kind of who he is for Notre Dame and brother man. He was, I mean, he all but played taps on the Marcus Freeman era uh, when I was listening to him on Sunday morning. But you're zero and three. No coach at Notre Dame's ever been zero and three. I think what has to concern you is they've lost all three of these games in different ways. Uh, they gave Spencer Sanders the one game where he's truly seemed competent as a starting quarterback in three years in college football in the bowl game. Then they played a terrific defense against Ohio State. And then they just they got exposed. They have no weapons. Forget your offense. When I look at their starting offensive lineman, even before the quarterback got hurt, and that quarterback, by the way, J.G. McCarthy wanted to go there. They chose that quarterback over J.J. McCarthy. That's how we got him, is he wanted to go to Notre Dame, and they wanted the the other kid. Um, even when he's in there, I count tops two guys on their offense that would start for us. Okay? And we're not exactly explosive offense you, all right? So, I don't know, man. I I don't... Uh, it rarely works. It worked. The two. T- the reason why we always remember Nick Saban and Dabo is because those are the, like the only two times the save the recruiting class, hire the guy from within with no coaching resume. That never works. Most of the time, it's Bobby Williams and not Dabo Sweeney. So, this is Bobby Williams' redux. Prove me wrong. Well, I, I do. Uh, jump on uh, the approach that, uh, yeah, he's not the Messiah, he's not the Savior. That's how he's been touted uh, the entire offseason by Notre Dame faithful, who believe that Brian Kelly just did a horrendous job there. Uh, Marcus Freeman, uh, yeah, a lot of it is not, uh, it it is uh, (laughs) maybe a little bit more swag and uh, communication skills than it is um, substance. But what, what I'm going to say here is that there's a transition here. He's he's a capable football coach. He should be more capable as he learns. Uh, you know, we saw uh, a less uh, on stage, less uh, given attention example of what could be done when Matt Luke had to take over for Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. I'll bring that example up. Rich Rod comes into that example because he was an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. at Ole Miss. Mike McIntyre, the former Colorado San Jose State coach, as defensive coordinator, that maybe you you want to go that route if you've got an inexperienced guy as the head coach, but you want to prime him, prep him, um, have him grow into the job, then then you surround him with the type of experience, high-level experience on the staff that are going to help him uh, navigate the pitfalls of being a head coach. But I'm, I'm hey, you call me the, the measured bucket – I hate that term, Buckeye fan. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's that's what I am. I, I don't. I'm not blowing the whistle on Marcus Freeman after two. What I'm going to call two games, three are on his record. Two games as Notre Dame head coach could be a rocky season or two of seven or eight wins. But um, man, he's he's got the world in front of him. He's you know let him grow, let him let him adapt, let him learn. I agree. I hope they leave him there to let him learn. 
I, I, especially with Urban Meyer out there on the open market, I'd much rather see Marcus Freeman there than him. So I agree. They should just let him there, leave him there to grow and experience all those growing pains, Jerry Faust style, live in real time in living color. I, I agree with you. I'm all for it. All right, let's get to the team that uh, we uh, usually focus on here on Michigan Podcast. I have described it as a peaceful transition of power here. And and I loved the idea, as I told you a couple of weeks ago. I love the idea of putting this competition out in the open. Let's let's let everybody see. Get rid of conspiracy theories and, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm a soapbox uh, 72 on the Michigan message board. And uh, I know uh, someone who, uh, uh, you know, uh, was necking with the cleaning lady and she heard from the janitor's crack that uh, I mean, J.J. lit it up at the at the scrimmage. But uh, Jimmy told him uh, that we have to play the senior captain. I mean, that stuff can just destroy you. Right. Okay, in today's media environment. So shine a light out. Let's put it all out there to see. And I thought at the time, the worst thing that could happen is these guys both play great. And if they do, you put the senior captain in there as starter and JJ plays spot duty more than he did last year. And we move on. This to me is an even better scenario. I mean, that the break here is very clear. It's very clear. It's time to move on. I think Jay, I think Cade McNamara is going to go down as one of the most important quarterbacks in Michigan football history. Uh, with the role that him and his class played in rebuilding this culture last year, the stabilizing force that he proved to be provided a bridge for us to even get to J.J. McCarthy being the quarterback. Because without what Cade and, and Aiden Hutchinson and those guys did last year, Harbaugh's not the coach here. And you know from covering coaching changes in today's transfer portal era, man, that means your entire roster's up for grabs, Right. So I think Cade deserves a lot of credit for that. But it's clear now that the Padawan is ready for the Jedi trials. Your thoughts? The trust factor for Jim Harbaugh among Michigan fans should be sky high. And this is why, because now for a second consecutive year, he has proven to know we need to see the wins and losses prove out in 2022. But I, I am sold on what the approach was here for a second consecutive year, because even though the guy doesn't necessarily explain it in the most eloquent terms or phrasing and often looks like a deer. It's biblical, Mark. That's all you need to know, brother. It's biblical. Don't be a heretic. It's just biblical, biblical. brother. <laughs> it is. Uh, I can't argue with that. Uh, that, that, that with that far off distant look that he has in his eyes at times that, uh, again, deer in headlights kind of look that actually when it comes down to it, he's smarter than just about all of us because there's the a Columbo angle here. Is that a little bit? Yeah. yeah you kind of, kind of like he sucks you in thinking this is like Asperger syndrome with a headset. And then before <laughs> you know it, he's completely cornered you. Yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. Yes. That's where I'm going with this because last year uh, with last year's team, he selected the right guy. He played through won a big 10 championship. So here's what he did was um, instead of coming out and starting JJ, Game number one saying he's the more talented player. Of course, he's not going to say that, but that he won the job in August camp. You know, he auditioned it in front of us and and he probably knew JJ is going to show himself against live bullets for two weeks. He's going to show and himself to be the best player. So he's going to back up my decision. So it's not going to be. And then he left himself a game cushion to say, whoever wins this job, JJ is going to have a full game as the guy to prep himself for Big Ten play against another softy. And, you know, he gave all respect to Cade McNamara to be able to show himself 
prove himself mm-hmm. in front of all of us. He showed him that respect. And, and I think he should have shown him that respect because think about it. You know, what place did Jim Harbaugh have among uh, the Michigan fan base and the Michigan faithful at this time last year? It was only one bad season, but with everything that had happened uh, that particular year, the offseason that he had, uh, and then, of course, uh, the, the the run of Ohio State losses and postseason losses, you know, he owes a lot to Kate McNamara. He's sure he the does. guy that, that, that was there for him and then pulled him through, uh, regardless of our estimation on how much of it was Kate McNamara and how much was running game, defense, et cetera. He was still the guy that led the team and, of course, has the great respect of his teammates to be voted a captain. So Harbaugh was able to figure out a way to respect Kate McNamara but still let it play out to where J.J. would prove to be the guy. And uh, like he said, I've got two good quarterbacks, and he he likened it to the San Francisco situation, and he may need Cade McNamara at some point this season. I think this is where his experience as a player proved invaluable. I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that um, his first career collegiate start beats number one Miami, uh, and then a few weeks later breaks his leg and doesn't know what his future is in college football, has to win his job back completely. Then following year, that team goes from unranked to number two in the nation in the final polls. He's a, the third in, you know, in, the, in the vote for the Heisman as a senior. He's the first first-round draft pick at quarterback in Michigan history. Goes to the Bears. You have established veteran quarterbacks there. Tom Zach and those guys, he's got to beat them out. All right. Uh, then his career is washed up. Uh, and he ends up with the Colts, and now he's in their ring of honor. I mean, he's, he's been in all these roles. He's been the hot shot guy. He's been the washed-up vet. He's been the injured, injury-prone guy we don't know we can count on. He's been the returning cover boy All-American. He's played every one of these parts in any form of a quarterback competition. And then he made the ultimate quarterback move, like in recent football memory, with what he did with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. So, I mean, he's he's done it all, okay? And I think that, exper- that life experience, I think, proved invaluable here, Mark, because there's another angle to this as well, and it's the other players on the team. He has he's got a he's got a teeter totter he's got a balance. On one hand, those guys went to war with Cade McNamara for 14 games last year, won 12 of them in a ring. And so they're going to want to know, hey, you know, if I have a couple weeks in camp that aren't great, is five star you know mucky muck going to come in here and make it look like I didn't do anything for you last year, right? You want a meritocracy, but you don't want you know cannibalism on your roster either. Okay, so you got to balance that. So the the players needed to see that Cade was given the chance that you described. Here's the other issue though, because Jimmy has said the last couple of weeks that where he decided to do this was the last week of camp. McCarthy just the light went on, and he got full grasp of the offense. the The shoulder he 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 was just the guy you expected he was going to be all offseason, and he just dominated the last scrimmage, then that's the one they have in the stadium, and he just owned it. Well, see, the players see that too, okay? And so, the, you know, the, you know the players are human too. On one hand, yeah, you got to respect my boy Cade. On the other hand, I like winning, and it's clear the other guy's better, right? You've got to balance those competing interests at the exact same time, and he's done that here. Now he's got another challenge, though. With the way J.J. likes to run the ball, right? Just ask Texas. I mean, they're, 
They're lighting it up. Quinn Ewers looks like, you know, the number one recruit in the country two years ago, lighting up Alabama in the first half. One hit, gone. We, he might not be back until November, right? The way J.J. likes to run the ball, I mean, I don't think it's crazy at all. Jack Campbell gets a shoulder on him in Iowa City in a couple of weeks. Four to six weeks, he's out. You've got to get Cade McNamara's confidence back. Now that's the next thing he's got to do. is He's now got to go to Cade and say, man, I've been where you're at. I was your guy. I was you with the Colts. I was you with the Chargers. I was washed up, had no future. All right? This is now when you've got to grind. Because... Even though we're sitting here today and J.J. McCarthy is tied for fifth in the Heisman Trophy betting odds, okay, (laughs) because it's not really that great of a field, frankly, you're only one hit away. It's very conceivable they're going to need Cade McNamara in a moment or in a game to win something for them or stabilize something for them. And right now, his confidence looks pretty shot. They've got to rehabilitate that a little. Well, it's a good point, Steve, because uh, while this resulted exactly the way I predicted – it didn't result in the way um, in terms of the performance of the two quarterbacks. Right. I thought Harbaugh was going to have a much more difficult on uh, on the surface decision. I, I think he was well set in his mind where he needed to go and the way he thought he was going to decide and the way it was going to play out. But I was expecting McNamara to be the McNamara of last year and to have sterling statistics against the likes of Hawaii and Colorado State. So so that was that broke fortunately for Harbaugh that he could clearly say McCarthy won the job. There you go. Uh, But great point in terms of he may need McNamara. And uh, this is where we stand on the confidence scale. And and that's that's difficult to judge. Maybe Kate McNamara is as uh, steely-eyed as as I make him out to be, that uh, this has not shaken his confidence. I I do think that the way the Michigan fan base has – acted is despicable but i'm not blaming that on michigan uh, fans it's more of the college football fans we saw it with spencer radler last year mm-hmm. it's not something that's just um of any i mean hey this time last year the idea of stetson bennett playing another meaningful snap for georgia was considered anathema yeah. and and now he's literally a freaking folk hero right that's the nature that's yeah. the nature that's of the cool. beast yes so moving forward Let's look at the whole landscape of the country here for a second. The thing that stuck out to me more, and I think this is where now both you and I's interests are equally aligned. Because we are, we are now, for the first time in many, many years, at least maybe since 2016, both of us came into a season, our, and both of our teams and fan bases came into the season with fairly similar realistic expectations, right? Okay doesn't happen a lot and and it used to happen almost perennially but it has not happened very often mutually this is the first time since probably 2016 so now what goes on globally across the sport matters i think to both of us pretty equally what really stood out to me about alabama more than anything and yeah i know they struggled to protect the quarterback they did last year too and were probably a jamison williams uh you know injury away from maybe winning the national championship again right what really stuck out to me was though you can you can be just okay at 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 OL if you've got those you know frisbee catching dogs on the outside. There ain't no Jalen Waddles or Henry Ruggs or um, uh, Devonta Smiths. Um, those guys ain't there on that roster. I mean, I I I just didn't see anybody 
uh, I didn't see a John, frick, hell, I didn't see a freaking John Mechie, okay, let alone a Jamison Williams. And if you can keep those guys in front of you and play straight-up defense, now that exacerbates your issues on the offensive line all the more. And I, I don't, and I'm sure by November with the, with the way they recruit, they'll come up with somebody. But that's what really struck me watching that game is they don't have the, the perimeter threats on the outside that at any point in time, they can blow a game open against any team in America, right? And, and I think that absolutely changes the calculus uh, around the country as we look at this more globally on who could really win a national championship. What are your thoughts? Well, you're hitting on some things that I talked about right after the game. I produced a video and I said, this is the most meaningful performance of the early college football season on both sides. This tells us so much more about Texas than we would have ever imagined. Maybe they can stand up uh, to a great team and maybe their talent is going to start to perform on a big stage. And this tells us a lot about Alabama. We know what uh, happened where Bama, look at their game plan against uh, Cincinnati without Mechie, and then you take away Jamison Williams in the second quarter of the next game, and they, they're scoring in the 18 to 25 range in two postseason games, and we haven't seen that in the last four to five seasons with Alabama. Exactly. Mm-hmm. they uh, Their offensive rushing production last year, because of the offensive line, and because I think these backs are, sure, they're talented. When we, when we downgrade these players at wide receiver and running back, it's in light of the Alabama standard. I don't think they have... Najee Harris, Derek Henry, those guys. They so clearly don't. I mean, the there's a reason why they're rating Georgia Tech for skill talent, right? Yes. It's, and Jameer Gibbs was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. It's not like that was somebody that wasn't on Alabama's board somewhere coming out. He just wasn't. They could they they could over they could recruit above him. So they went. They did. There's a reason they're going to Georgia Tech now for a kid like that. It's because those other guys aren't as good as him. Well, if you watch last quarter of the national championship games, you'll see uh, how many times those wide receivers to Corey Brooks comes to mind, let down mm-hmm. Bryce Young and uh, the development, the maybe they just don't have them in them, but they based on that, that sample, it was, it was not there. They have some offensive issues. And again, the ru- the running attack was the worst in the Saban era last year. And for about a half a quarter of game time, I thought, okay, maybe they, of course, had the one explosive run. It was executed to a T. But after that, nothing. And um, they somehow figured out how to block Georgia for one game, and they got it done in the SEC championship game. But otherwise, it's been a dismal offensive, dismal by Alabama standards, offensive performance against good teams since early last season. Well, that was the Jamison Williams game. And that... That was as singularly dominant of a performance in a major college football game by a wide receiver as we have seen in recent memory, right? And so they didn't have him the next time they played because he got hurt right away. So great stuff as always, Mark. Good to see you, brother. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Have a good one, Mark. See you. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. the tease this week's twitter poll results we asked you is notre dame's marcus freeman the next bobby williams or Dabo sweeney 
both of whom were unimpressive internal promotions to head coaching jobs back in the day. Williams, of course, ended up being an epic flameout, while Sweeney is still uh, building a Hall of Fame resume. 74.3% of you gave what I think is the right answer. Uh, this is another Bobby Williams situation. Man, Pete Sampson, who's kind of the Sam Webb, Chris Ballas of Notre Dame, Man, I listened to an interview with him on Sunday morning, and dude was dejected, like he'd already thrown in the towel. I mean, he sounded the way we sounded after Rich Rod lost to Toledo. All right, so I, I agree with the clear majority here. I think that this regime is already in trouble. That brings us to our feedback of the week, courtesy of Blue Captain, who says, I feel bad for Cade. I want J.J. to be the starter. But the disrespect of booing Cade when he comes out was sad to hear. At least wait until he throws a terrible pick which unfortunately he did. Now, listen, I don't feel bad. Um, we're talking about grown-ass men here. Um, these guys have NIL deals now. They're all getting, at least if you're a high-profile quarterback at a school like Michigan, these guys are all getting paid. Uh, I, I don't feel bad at all. Um, but I agree, it's trashy uh, to boo a guy that led you to your first Big Ten championship in 17 years a year ago. Just complete trash, um, beneath the dignity of the Block M being a fan in that stadium. Uh, I, I do agree with that. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, five star, share, however or whichever way you watch or listen, whether you're watching here on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, etc. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you and also keep up to date on what we think about all things Wolverines in between episodes by following us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go blue.